In this episode of the Doctor Who Podcast, we'll be taking a subaquatic base under siege adventure with the Ice Warriors. Yes, indeed. Hello and welcome to episode 199 of the Doctor Who podcast. I think we might be getting near a milestone, gents. This is the first episode, yeah, the first 199th episode we've ever had. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly more of a milestone than 200. People celebrate round numbers all the time. Yeah, We should go for the, uh, for the odd numbers. They get left out. 200 is so overrated, yeah. Well, let's let's celebrate 199 episodes of the Doctor Who podcast by talking about the episode that we've just watched, Cold War. Oh, it's cold in here. Someone turn up the heating. What is that, gas? Could be gas. Ah. It never rains. But it pours. We were drilling for oil in the ice. I thought I found a mammoth. It's not a mammoth. No. What is it, then? It's an ice warrior. Who's going to start on this one? Because uh, I've got a lot to say. Um, Trev, Trev, tell me what you thought. Ah, okay. Since you've got so much to say, Leeson, and I've got so little, then it makes obvious sense for me to start my review of uh, Cold War first. I think the Doctor Who production team has done a bit of a swifty on us. You know, a couple of weeks ago when they released that wonderful picture of the Ice Warrior and we were getting all excited and, you know, on the edge of our seats, looking forward to this, thinking it's such a faithful recreation. My goodness, hasn't the production team just done done such a fantastic job? I think they've put the wool over our eyes just a little bit because our Cold War Ice Warriors have their most dramatic um, reinterpretation underneath the hood. And, and did you not love that? I mean, and this is this goes back to something we were talking about. We've often talked about is that is is what the BBC and what Moffat uh, leaks out uh, and and does it spoil things? And 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 it, almost each and every time that something leaks out like this, we think it's been spoiled, but it hasn't because there is there is another layer, there is another surprise underneath, and uh, and that that was certainly a surprise, and I loved it. I certainly did love the setting for Cold War. It, it seems to be quite original that we've got our uh, TARDIS crew on a boat in the middle of nowhere in the 1980s. Uh, it, it seemed quite an original setting to uh, have a story and having the Ice Warriors included as part of this situation, which has the potential to uh, you know, basically destroy the whole planet, I think was a bit of a masterstroke. Well, you, you, you keep saying Ice Warriors, and uh, I think key to this story is that it was Ice Warrior, really. Um, and... In many ways, this was this was Dalek um, for the Ice Warriors, wasn't it? It was see what one Ice Warrior can do, uh, and you you got a real something that I got while it was still in in its protective armor, and I, and I thought that was quite a nice um, 
that was quite a nice touch that, that it, it had never been explained to. Moffat's on record as, as saying that the reason he was going to steer clear of the Ice Warriors and they were top of his list of old monsters never to bring back. And it was because they, they were sort of the epitome of the lumbering uh, BBC man in a costume um, uh, Doctor Who monster. Uh, and he'd said, he'd sort of hinted that uh, Gattis had written this script, which, which you know, just changed his mind. And this is obviously the uh, the big reveal that that it's that's actually armor, and that you know, and the creature is inside. Uh, but you really got a sense in this that um, that they were a big, heavy duty tank, like with with the bullets fl- uh, flying off them. They, they did a real good job of uh, of uh, of making you believe that these things were invincible, but. The nice spin on it was that there is there's kind of a fragile, spindly creature inside, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think they've gone for some interesting revisions and some interesting interpretations for the Ice Warrior in this story. But that's probably something we can talk about soon. Um, James, you've been very quiet over there in the corner. What what did you think of Cold War? Well, um, I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, the reason why I haven't really said very much is because I I don't really have a great deal to say aside from I, I thought it was excellent and I, I knew they were going to do something with the Ice Warriors because there was no way that they could be 100% faithful because it simply wouldn't have worked there's, there's no question of that and I think the the get out um, and, and the reveal worked very very nicely indeed uh, yeah I, I also was put in mind of Dalek uh, Leeson um, except this was done a little bit more I think this was done a little bit better showing how dangerous one Ice Warrior is um, than Rob Sherman showed how one Dalek is is, is so dangerous. I, I just thought it was as great. It, it felt like Alien to me. And yeah. I, I, I just liked it. Because when you, when you try and analyse it, this is why I'm struggling really to try and find a, a coherent set of words just to introduce <laughs> how I felt about it. There really isn't much there. You know, there's not much story there. It's basically an ice warrior on a submarine for 45 minutes and they all chase each other up and but down that, corridors. But that is the base on the sea story. It, it is. and the, But usually there's a little bit of fluff on top of it, um, a little bit more substance than we were presented with here. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, there wasn't anything that I thought was lacking, uh, but all, all of the characters, the peripheral characters, were very shallow indeed. I mean, they, they, they filled almost... Uh caricature roles i mean this was basically the hunt for the red october parodied uh you know the, the conflict between the captain and the first officer was, was wasn't even a parody it was just a straight lift oh. and you just had the doctor and clara shoved uh, in there but as i said i'm not complaining um no, I, I thought it was yeah. it was really good no don't don't be upset by that, Lisa. I mean, James is very positive about that. I, mm. I think he's quite happy that the, it, that it was at a pretty much a direct rip off of every submarine movie ever made. I mean, Dust yeah. Boot also springs to mind. Um, Crimson you, Tide as well. Crimson exactly Tide, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I'm, yes. not, I'm not upset. It's just yeah. I think this is part part of the constraint of the of the 45 minute format is that you have to have instantly recognisable characters. You, you you tend not to be able to have. Um, Interesting characters that can that can develop in any way, so you have to be able to identify them. Bosh, bosh. That, right, that's what this is. That's what this is. You recognise this, right? You know who he is. Then we can get on with the story. It's not like the old series where you can you can have characters sort of developing uh, you know, over a period of time. So I think that's why they use that that that. Um, and I'm 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 not I'm not sure I agree with that completely. I have to say I think you can establish and develop a character very very quickly if this if the kind of story you're telling 
allows you to do that. And I mean, think back to the pre-credit sequence of last week's episode. I, I empathised with Clara's parents and their meeting very, very quickly. And we saw them on screen for about three and a half minutes. Um, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, Cold War is deficient in that regard, because I did enjoy it. And I did enjoy all the peripheral characters and, and as Trevor says they did kind of fill those roles that are in every submarine movie um, but I I think it's by far the best episode we've seen in this little mini series so far yeah. I think it is head and shoulders above anything else Mark Gatiss has ever written mm. for Doctor Who and you know I, I, I would probably say Unquite Dead was my favourite prior mm-hmm. to this one and I would say this is three times the story that is I've seen it twice as we're recording this and although the second time clearly you know what's going to happen and doesn't have the sense of adventure or suspense there there isn't a single moment or a single exchange wasted here it's all about building the tension it's about making an already claustrophobic environment feel even smaller um it, it's placing clara for the very first time you know in in the line of fire and she sees dead bodies and rather than just you know, allow her to take that in her stride, she she actually takes a step back. And, and that's where you see the brilliance of, of, of David mm. Warner's acting ability come in because he was he was fantastic as the professor as well. And again, the, the slightly zany scientist or professor is not just a standard character for a film like this, but is a standard character for an old 60s Doctor Who you know, based under Siege story. There was always some scientist there who inadvertently mm. got them into trouble. But this this was a fantastic interpretation of that fairly stereotypical character. Um, I, I did have one niggle about that. and I mean, how old do you think the character he was playing was supposed to be? Mid fifties, sixty. Mid 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 fifties, sixties. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Nineteen eighty three. Would it be typical someone of that age group to be so into Duran Duran and Ultravox? Well, I don't. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only nit I can pick really about this. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, well, I, sus- I, su- I suspected on my, on my first watch that there was some kind of um, uh, gay subtext there. Oh, there was a little bit. It wasn't even subtext. Uh, certainly when the Doctor and the Professor had that exchange. <laughs> what, what did the Doctor say? I could kiss you or something. Oh, the kissing scene, yes. yes. And he said, not, was it not just now? Or Yeah, later. Um, yeah. <laughs> or if you yeah. insist. Something like that. I'm wondering whether we're slightly off kilter here, just just slightly, because this is probably the purest or or the most accurate representation of a standalone episode I've seen in years. I mean, there, there was I've, I was waiting there for the whole time, waiting Absolutely. for some of the backstory. Or no, yeah. I was waiting there the whole episode, waiting for some of the arc to be thrown into it, just like they often do casually at the end of these so-called standalone stories. But it didn't occur. Absolutely nothing. Not even a hint. Not even nothing. a. Oh, I wonder mm. what that means type of thing. It, it was the purest standalone story that New Doctor Who, I think, has ever done. And wasn't that good? I mean, it, that yeah. was the third bullet on my list, actually. It was a complete and utter standalone story. It, you didn't need to have seen any other Doctor Who at all to appreciate this. I mean, you might have yeah. wanted to, to to watch, I don't know, last week's or the week before, just so that you knew who Clara was. But aside from that, 
then Gatius has delivered once again. And he does do this. I mean, he, he did that, I mean, with, with Night Terrors. I mean, despite the story not being very good, do you remember we were sat around microphones just after that had aired, saying, well, hang on a second, what about them acknowledging the traumatic events of the previous week? You know, why has that been completely ignored? And that was because Gatius just wrote something that was completely standalone. It was so standalone that they could move it around in the schedules relatively easily. And he's done it again. He's done it again. Yeah, and I think well, going back to um, to something you said, James, about the the, the claustrophobic nature of it and uh, of the story of, of the setting, um, the the direction and and the sets themselves were magnificent. Uh, I, I became quite aware. Well, I, I was aware that it felt very claustrophobic, uh, and that was in the way it was written. Uh, but the water constantly dripping from the ceilings. There was always water running down the sides and drips and drops. I mean, I, I was thinking, God, it must be a nightmare for the electricians in the studios. Um, <laughs> but, but it was very, very effective. But it, it must have been a... I mean, think of the risk assessments. It must have been. I have to admit, I hadn't considered the logistics behind it, but I, I did think it looked extremely good. Um, but if you're talking about the dangers of electricity and something, I mean, that was that was even within the script, wasn't it? With the with the cattle prod on a taser. I mean, who'd have thought you, you'd been presented with the threat from Mars... And you electrocute it with a cattle prod. I mean, <laughs> that's the biggest insult you can possibly get, isn't it? If you come to a different planet. Yes. <laughs> We've talked a little bit about the story, guys, but I'm actually um, very keen to talk about the ice warrior himself in this story because while i don't think you guys sound like you had any problem with him i spent the whole episode trying to reconcile our new ice warrior friend with the very limited appearances that the ice warriors had in the classic series and and i'm not sure i came away being totally convinced that what we have here is something that's adhering to what we've seen of the ice warriors previously well it, it adds to doesn't it it builds on yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think that was out of necessity because there's simply no way that they could have brought the Ice Warriors back without doing something new and innovative with them because the 70s Ice Warriors wouldn't work on 21st century television. And as far as I'm concerned, it did work. It, it was absolutely fine. Um, I, I don't feel the need to try and retcon it into Monster of Peladon or Seeds of Death or anything. Um, I mean, the Doctor mentioned a couple of times, I've never seen this happen before. This is um this this is the first for me, and I'm, I'm happy to go along with that. Um, you know wh whether or not he can be you know a squiggly alien who can move extremely fast, when out of his shell suit as Clara called it. Um, I, I yeah you know I'm I can take or leave it, but it certainly didn't make me enjoy the episode less, and it doesn't make me think of the Ice Warriors in any real different way. Now, as, as far as them being a, a proud warrior race, and that was all that was all there in in, in the olden days. Uh, I, I suspect my other half, my better half, she she loved the episode, but became quite hung up on um, on one particular point, and that is the the moment where the uh, ice warrior, out of its shell suit, is hanging down and is holding uh, the scientist's face uh, with his long spindly fingers. And she became hung up for the, for the rest of the episode on how those long spindly fingers wouldn't fit into the Ice Warrior claw. 
Uh, and I, I've actually seen this online. People have become really obsessed about this um, and how that has spoiled their entire enjoyment of the episode. Mm. The, the, you know, you, you oh. forget how wonderful the rest of it was, how, how well plotted it was, how, how well the set design was, uh, how well scripted it was. It, it's the fact that those long spindly fingers wouldn't fit into into the claw. Look, surely if you can in, if you can enjoy a, a story as much to nitpick it that much, you can retcon it so that those spindly fingers just touch sensors within the suit that operate believe, the clamps. Believe me, James, I, 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 try, <laughs> I actually had to pause the episode so that so that I could I, I could I could try and um, like, make her understand. Uh, but yeah, but it's strange the things that people get hung up about. So so Trev, why, why didn't the Ice Warriors? Uh, in their new guys, quite tally with the, with the with the classic series for you. I I will just put a bit of a caveat on that. They were ninety five. You're going to say fingers? No, no they were ninety five percent effective. <laughs> they they were so close. But I think I'm one of those people that you talk about being online and wanting to retcon with um, classic series uh, monsters, and and that's what I did with our Ice Warrior friend in Cold War. I tried to reconcile my thoughts of their the brief classic series appearances with what we saw here. And James, before you mentioned the uh, allusions to the film Alien, and I said, well, um, yeah, sure, that's a, that's fine if they want to go down that route, but why didn't Gators just write a story <laughs> where he could have an alien-type monster <laughs> roaming around the ship? That's the bit that I didn't really get. I, I was with the uh, Ice Warrior battle gear i was even with the fact that we didn't seem to have a dumb soldier ice warrior in the battle gear we had a you know we had a nice lord basically a very clever very intelligent um grand marshal basically and and i could I, I was with that he may have been in the heat of battle he said to one of his subordinates here give me your armor i'm 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 going to save myself basically but then when they went down the alien route with it scuttling around the um uh submarine that's where it lost me slightly that didn't seem like it was an ice warrior and also i i really think they seem to ignore the whole fact about the effective heat on the ice warriors now now i please correct me if i'm wrong but wouldn't submarines especially 80 submarines especially russian 80 submarines be incredibly hot i don't think they had aircon in them back then uh, it was Cold War. Uh, I, I think yeah. Gators didn't really seem to worry about the fact that heat affects Ice Warriors very easily. I'm not sure whether it would have been that hot, to be honest with you. I mean, bear in mind they're 600 metres down and they wouldn't have had any heating on and they were at the North Pole. It probably would have been quite cold. I mean... I can't. I can't claim to be an authority in, in any way, uh, shape or form on, on the temperature of Russian submarines in the 80s. But I... I quite like the extra dynamic that um, that having the Ice Warriors, um, who you know are kind of unstoppable, boom, 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 monsters who um, stomp around, and then that was reinforced quite early on with all the bullets flying off the shell. We were told it was a shell, and then you saw him coming out of the shell. Uh, the inside is quite a vulnerable creature. Uh, I... I think that's an interesting dynamic. Oh, well, I, and I, I, I like the I like the way that they've moved it on. I don't there. think they have. But, I don't think it's meant to be any more vulnerable um, the, out of his shell. I, and I think it's it articulated in the script as well. I think the Doctor says no, he's actually more dangerous out of his shell. And uh, I, th- I think also he killed the first officer as well. Um, it looked. Yeah, but he's not. He's not. He's not, he's not bulletproof. Out of no, he's shell, not bulletproof. I mean, but that, he, he's that, he's that, able to give the kind of head massage of death quite easily. 
Um, as I mm. said, uh, what was it, Leveson or almost Lieberson, almost Leicesterson, yeah. I forget now, um, got uh, mm. got his head slightly removed. But And, and also there was the, the, those bodies that I spoke about earlier on, the, the two or three officers that were killed and the doctor described them as being forensically killed in order to try and learn about human physiology. That was done <laughs> with the alien out of his shell. I don't think he was uh. any less vulnerable. I think whatever he lacked in bulletproofness <laughs> he made up for in speed agility and uh, speed of being able to to kill but this is it and the fact that the ice warrior has to change its uh, modus operandi in order to, uh, because when it's in its shell it, it can just walk towards you it, you know it, you know bullets can't stop it it will just march towards you fire what you like at it and it just keeps on coming it, it's dalek like in that respect when it's out when it's out of its shell then you see its ingenuity. You see the fact that you know it's it is more vulnerable, but it becomes cleverer yeah. in order to kill, kill you. So it has to it has to sneak around. It shows its um, uh, it shows its um, you know anal- analytical um, sort of battle like brain that it can sneak around. It, it will still kill you, but it will do it in the shadows. And I, I quite like that. Has Gators introduced telepathy to the Ice Warrior race? That's what I came away from that. And you know there there seems to be an element of mind control, mind reading. Um, it, it seems an extra layer that they've introduced to the race. In, in what way? Well, uh, the Ice Warrior seemed to be probing people's minds to learn the knowledge. That's how he found out the state of affairs on planet Earth. That's how he found out... I didn't even find out the firing codes, basically, or something like that. Um, when when he I was controlling it, yeah. the first officer from behind, you know, doing that skull massage... <laughs> I it, don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think he plugged himself in, didn't he? And, and then he found out how all of these systems worked. I mean, the Doctor described the Ice Warriors as a biomechanoid race, and we've not heard that definition before. So I think perhaps, you know, he he was able to interact with the computers and so on. And I think he was the, the first officer was trying to do a deal with him. He was he was talking about how, you know, uh, there was two major powers who were basically involved in this Cold War, you know, this, this war of no missiles. And I, I think he called it mutually assured destruction and the Ice Warrior was almost enthralled by that concept. So I think everything he learned about humanity in the state of the world in the 1980s was either through speaking to humans or plugging into the computer at the end of, mm. the, um, the, end of the episode. And this goes back to the to the cunning. This is the um, it's that ability that that the ice warrior had. And I think in the old days, those ice warriors, the the, the ones that were portrayed in this, not the ice lords or the um, oh, what are they called, you know, the, the ones with the um, with the bell shaped helmets. Uh, they they was they were they were the um, they were the clever ones. The other ones just sort of lumbered around and yeah, did yeah, yeah, did, did what they were told. There, certainly, uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> But it, but it was nice to see them. them uh, so they're, they're believably terrifying because they are they they they're very clever. I I think yeah, if you were uh, going uh, to introduce a, a monster like the Ice Warriors to today's audience, then you ca- cannot do it better than we've just seen. I don't think there is a way in which you could just present everything that we remember from our childhood and had nightmares about 20, 30 years ago in exactly the same way and today's audience buy it the way we did. Something had to happen. And I, I think what they needed to do was introduce a level of threat, the kind of things that no one is really going to worry about that much, apart from, once again, the real diehard fans. 
are the castes within Martian society. Whereas, you know, we know there was, at least there used to be, uh, the, um, the, what, the, uh, not upper class, you can't have an upper class ice warrior, but the ice lords, you know, it was a, a slightly cut above. They were the ones who were intelligent, those are the ones who were in charge. And their, their drones, almost, were the ones that hissed. Those are the ones that lumbered around. And Skaldak seemed to be a hybrid of the two. And I mean, who's to say there there wasn't a third cast that we haven't seen yet? Uh, but you know what what happened? I mean, you mentioned Dalek earlier on, Lisa, and what happened there? We were introduced, or the audience was introduced, to what a Dalek was and how threatening it was in one episode, and then we came back at the finale and had a two-parter, as it was at the time, with hundreds of Daleks. Now I'm wondering whether or not they're gonna follow the same kind of line. Maybe we haven't seen the last of the Ice Warriors. Absolutely. As soon as I saw the the huge spaceship at the end and it flew off, I, I thought we're getting the same thing. We're getting, we, we've had the Ice Warriors set up; they are going to be the the big bad for the finale. Well, either that or the Great Intelligence. Um, one of the things that 50th. we have been getting, sorry, uh, he he'll be the big bad for the fiftieth, won't he? Along with the Zygons. Ah, the Zygons will be fluff because we've been fed <laughs> it because we, we've already had the nice picture, so that's kept us happy. That's it's the burglars throwing a, a stake over the fence to keep <laughs> to keep the dogs busy, while you know Moffat does something around the back door. I don't think so. One, I, there was there's so much care and attention lavished on that uniform or uniform costume, the Zygon. You know, it, it's not something that's going to be wandering around in the background. And secondly, oh, no, 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 we've it, already I, I, seen I, I, set photographs um, on 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 local location so I don't, I, they, they, weren't, I, they weren't able to keep it quiet they're definitely going to be in there but I, I don't I, I suspect that we nothing's been ruined for us there in, in the same oh, way no, that, that we, we, we had the pictures of the ice warriors and we all thought oh brilliant uh, the ice warriors coming but, but there was another surprise inside it of course um, of course Moffat is the it's like do you have kinder eggs in Australia Trev we do yeah yeah, yeah. there's a surprise inside and and uh, you know you, you, you Moffat gives you the chocolate but there's there's always a surprise inside what about the nods back to previous Doctor Who that we've had in all three episodes of season 7B now? Uh, we had Tom Baker's scarf in Bells of St. John. We had the Doctor talk about Susan in the Rings Icatan. And this time we had the return of the Hads. Mm. Oh, yes. Yes, the hostile action displacement system. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, so no. the TARDIS is on the South Pole at the moment. And apparently it's very funny uh, to ask a submarine captain for a lift halfway around the planet to pick it up. So <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be addressed next episode. I have a feeling it won't be. But uh... No, no, I, I think we've moved on from that. It, that. it seemed to be a very, very sensitive HADS. I mean, uh, it, it seemed to wander <laughs> off as soon as there was any sign of even a slight danger. I mean, this is the TARDIS that's been used in many situations before and hasn't had a scratch on it yet. A submarine gets into a spot of bother at the North Pole and it goes, I'm off. Um, I think he needs to turn down the sensitivity setting just slightly. <laughs> but I, 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 do, I, I approve of these very like, sort of gentle nods to, to the old series. And, uh, you know, it, it's been said a lot that, that they, they don't detract any enjoyment from people who don't get them, uh, but they give a lot of enjoyment to the people that do. Um, and, you know, Hads was a, was a second Doctor thing, uh, and this is a based on the Siege story. Um, so it was, a, it was a nice, gentle nod, and I, I, I wholeheartedly approve of the way they're being sort of nicely woven in. Not so that they would spoil anything for anyone, but like I say, they, they make me, uh, they make me glow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wasn't this also the second time the Doctor has tried to get to 
where was he trying to go? Um, Vegas mm. to see Elvis. I think he was doing that in the Idiot's Lantern as well. Mm. Mm. Uh, if I'm right. And therefore the Doctor in two Mark Gatiss scripts has not only been wearing sunglasses but been trying to get to see Elvis. I wonder whether he will at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor has left the building. So I think we can safely say that uh, you know we've reached a consensus. That this, is, this is a good this is a good Doctor. It's certainly my my favourite brand of Doctor Who. It's, it's dark, it's enclosed, it's pacey. Um, yeah, it, it certainly ticked all my buttons. And I like the fact that they've they've moved the Ice Warriors on a bit. I, I don't have a problem with that. I, that's why I like Doctor Who, that it keeps evolving and that it moves things on. And I don't have a problem with them doing that, as long as they do it well, with you know established monsters and established themes. I agree. Best Best episode of season seven so far for me. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed this one. Here, here. Okay, we seem to be doing this every week at the moment, but Leeson, it's been some time since you've joined us on the DWP. I'd, I'd quite like to ask you what you think of the announcement we had, what was a couple of weeks or so ago now. David Tennant, Billy Piper, Zygons, what are your reaction to those... Uh, recurring monsters all um, <laughs> for the 50th anniversary special. Oh, well, David said it was kind of expected. I, I'd seen him do he's a couple of American chat shows, or was one in particular where he almost fluffed. He, he almost fluffed and he almost gave it away. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was thinking, is that just my hopeful fan brain going, oh, oh he's made a fluff day. He, he definitely knows something. And then he's been on a couple of English chat shows um, uh, over recent months, and he's got kind of... He's got long, longish hair, but it's combed down in a kind of weird side parting. And I was thinking, is that the Tenth Doctor's hair? Just, just fault like combed down so it doesn't look like the Tenth Doctor's hair. And I'd convinced myself that this was the case. He must be growing it back again so he can have it all spiked up like the Tenth Doctor's hair. And I, 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 to be honest, I thought I was going mental for a bit. But mm. now I am vindicated because you know that's exactly what was happening. And I am not mental, listeners. I am. I'm not mental. Yes. I think you got a little bit more convincing uh, to do there, I think. Uh, but certainly that, that news is um, is old news now, really, I, I guess. Um, we, we've got two more pieces of brand new news, and first of which is Christopher Eccleston is definitely not making an appearance. According to Digital Spy. And the BBC. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, he, he he was he was approached twice, wasn't he? Um, and decided he had nothing more to bring mm. to the role. Well, we we don't quite know. He, he, I, I think that's what he said a little while ago. Uh, this time around, I think he just decided that he chose not to do it, and that could have been for a number of reasons. Pay might not have been enough. No, it's not that case. No, well, I'm not so sure. Um, he he clearly didn't want to share the screen. He may not have liked the script. Who knows? Uh, but I I'm actually very disappointed because it feels feels as though this is this is final you know we're not going to get any last minute oh actually we were only toying with you uh it really does feel as though we are not going to get christopher eccleston back in that leather jacket ever again i kind of knew that was the case when they announced Tennant and they didn't announce him i thought well if they're going to announce then they would have announced them together and there were pictures online of of matt smith and david Tennant holding their scripts up uh, and and you know doing the read throughs and and I thought uh, he he he's not there uh, and and they would they would do the, the the three together but but I I still stand by I I don't I don't go with the with the fact that, that it's down to money with him I, I think it's just genuinely he's a he's a character actor who who doesn't like to retread old ground. It, 
maybe. I, I don't think I don't think it's money related. I, I, I think he he sees himself as a, as a character actor, and he's probably worried about typecasting. Uh, but but I think he just looks and he says, right now, I don't think I've got anything more to to, to give to that. I think he gets a bad press because he doesn't do many interviews, uh, and he doesn't. He very rarely tells his side of the story, and, and as is evidenced by the whole. Um, the circumstances surrounding his leaving, he 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 kept quite he kept quiet about that when when he was he was done over by the BBC at the time, but he didn't he didn't go to the press he didn't make any statements he didn't he just sort of keeps himself to himself and I think that makes people then project an image of of grumpiness onto him uh, and. In fact, I remember him saying when he first took on the role that I wanted to go and do a fun role because I wanted people to realise that I, uh, that I have a fun side that I don't just I'm not I'm not a grumpy guy, um, and I think it's it's difficult for for someone who is so used to just um, immersing himself into a role to uh, and it isn't so up for the for the glamour and the glitz and the interviews and the. Uh, I've I've recently been watching the old Doctor Who Confidentials, the cut downs from from series one. And you know he seems he's very enthusiastic for the role, but there's there's a moment when you get towards the end where you can see where it's, it's turned sour, uh, and, and and that sort of thing has become a chore for him, uh, and he's lost that enthusiasm, and we'll never know exactly what went on uh, behind behind the scenes, but there's definitely a reason for for him um, not shunning it the way he has, but I I don't think it's money related. I, I think we probably will find out at some point why he he decided not to do it now bear in mind he he left that role in 2005 you know he he was done with doctor who in terms of acting what seven years ago is mm. that seven years ago now yeah seven mm. or eight years or mm. so ago now turning down the 50th anniversary i mean isn't that just going to guarantee that people are going to be asking him about Doctor Who even longer than they would have done <laughs> you know i mean if if he is getting irritated by press and interviewers just asking about Doctor Who as the first or second question whenever he you know goes to market anything that he's been in I I think he's just made the problem a hundred times worse part of me thinks how difficult could it have been (laughs) I mean I, I know a lot of this is coming from a very very frustrated and disappointed fan really as opposed to someone who's assessing a career choice somebody has made but I, I, I would have valued it so much, you know. He's, he's basically doing Tom Baker all over again. And the only problem is that we, we don't have any waxwork of him available at the moment or footage that we could uh, in, in, insert into the uh, episode. And I'm, I, I am hugely, hugely disappointed by it. Well, I, I think you two are, have some sort of competition going at the moment for how long you can speak without breathing. Well done, guys. Well done. <laughs> Um, I can go longer. <laughs> what disappoints me even more, I mean, I, I, I kind of took it as a given we wouldn't be getting Eccleston back, grumpy so-and-so. What disappoints me more is we looks like the door is being well and truly shut on uh, classic series Doctors returning. Um, the the statements yes. that have been released. Yes, indeed. The fact that pretty much every surviving Doctor is on my part of the world at the moment doing a convention tour here in Australia, while over in your part of the world they're actually filming the 50th anniversary special. So that, to me, seems pretty definitive that we, we aren't going to be getting anyone other than Tennant and Matt Smith as Doctors in, in this story, um, and that disappoints me a lot. Well, certainly from classic Doctors, I, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it was Sylvester McCoy said last week, again, that none of the classic Doctors have been approached, and 
he said initially that he hadn't been and then he went a stage further to say well actually none of us have been so i agree i think we're looking at the current doctor we're looking at the 10th doctor we may possibly get david bradley and reed shear smith as the first and second but they are going to have to come up with some way of celebrating early Doctor Who, or else it will not be an anniversary celebration. Um, and, and, and I do trust Stephen Moffat to do it, but how he's going to do that without any of the classic Doctors represented, I'm, I'm at a complete loss. I mean, it, it's good in a way, because I have absolutely no idea what's coming up now. You know, before we could always speculate about which actors were going to appear in it. We can't even do that anymore. Not really. <laughs> so... We've just got to trust Moffat either to write an absolutely stonking story or someone is being really, really clever with the marketing. I think, uh, and this is, goes back to my earlier comment, it's, it's, the, it's the sirloin steak thrown over the back fence who we've been given tenant. There you go. We weren't expecting that. I, I was surprised when we, when we got the first sort of casting announcements of um, you know, a couple of unknown people, or you know, probably known to someone, uh, playing such and such, Frank and Bob, and I went, oh, 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 we're actually going to get some casting information. Uh, and then, bosh, we got Tennant and Billy Piper. I went, oh, my God, that, that's a huge surprise. Well, and John Hurt. Yeah, and then, and then <laughs> John Hurt. And oh, I thought, this is, this is incredible. This is, this is misdirection. There will be, there will be more. The, Moffat. Well, it was panic. It was panic, wasn't it? It was because Doctor Who magazine had announced early. it and it went out four days early. And so the BBC didn't have a choice but to try and, you know, orchestrate some semblance of a of an announcement well, or else you were going to get it leaked out on Twitter and forums by, by fans. Well, no, but, but the, the point was they'd they obviously authorised Doctor Who magazine to, to announce it. So it was going to be announced. But um, but I, I, yes, I, I yes. think I you know, Moffat is very good at, at surprising us with stuff. So everything that we're, that we're given, we think, oh, no, he's kind of spoiled that. He's, he's spoiled that. Do you remember the Doctor being shot? And it was way back now, uh, at the beginning of uh, uh, Impossible Astronaut, and we thought that was going to mm. ruin the whole thing. We thought it it ruined it, but but it, it didn't. It went pretty close to that episode for me. I'm, <laughs> I have to say. Well, yeah, but it, it, but, it did, but it didn't ruin the, the, the whole. The, there's always something more. Well, they're not going to tell you uh, the whole story. They're never going to tell you the whole story because that would be no, silly. No, but I mean, but, what I mean is, is, is that they'll give you they'll give you something to chew over, like we're chewing over now, and the whole of fandom will go crazy about it, and and they they concentrate on that, and there will be other stuff that will be slipped under under the back door, and I have no doubt that the the 50th anniversary will have lots of surprises, and whether whether that involves past doctors or, or not i mean it, it, there was some uh stuff about the 50th anniversary the the, the filming was delayed uh, or was it delayed have they filmed stuff? No, not as far as i'm aware i, d- yeah. I didn't hear yeah, that yeah, at yeah. all it, it was supposed to start uh, earlier than it was and there was an announcement that it was going to be starting two or three weeks late um you know is that true you know were they filming stuff all all of this stuff you know, david Tennant was, was filming out on um yeah, in, in open ground, you know, where everyone was going, was going to be able to spot them, so there's no way they would be able to keep that a secret. If there, all the stuff that they're going to be keeping secret will be will be uh, studio studio stuff, it'll be studio bound, and uh, if people are coming back that we're going to recognise, that will all be done uh, under cover of darkness in a secret studio. There was actually another casting announcement today. The BBC confirmed it at least that Catherine Stewart, the character of Catherine Stewart, was going to be 
featuring in the 50th anniversary special, of course, played by Gemma Redgrave. And there was some filming taking place today in London at the Tower of London. Of course, Tower of London featured in The Power of Three last year as well. So, again, not not as huge piece uh, of news as we had over the last couple of weeks, but certainly you can see what they're they're building to here. It's going to be... You know, the Tower of London is right on the Thames. We've got Zygons. Scarrisons normally <laughs> accompany Zygons. What we're getting here really is a new version of Terror of the Zygons, clearly. There you go. You've heard it here first. <laughs> Terror of the Zygons 2. That's quite a snappy title. I'll go for that. Yeah. <laughs> We've shared our highlights, we've shared our disappointments for uh, upcoming Doctor Who, so I suppose, as a a famous person once said, and has said many times, we'll just have to wait and see. But (laughs) until then, uh, James and Lisa, it's been an absolute pleasure Mm. to be with you here today, uh, reviewing Cold War and talking about what's coming up in New Who, and uh, we'll, we'll be back very, very soon with, well, who knows what? Just have to wait and see, won't we? <laughs> Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, Leeson. Bye for now, everybody. Bye. Cheerio. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I would hate everyone out there listening, thinking, "Oh, Trevor, the grumpy old doesn't like anything about new Doctor Who." I did really like this. It, it was really enjoyable. I mean, just to make it even more clear, so there's a point in this episode where I say it, I'd give this an eight out of ten. There you go, eight out of ten. There we go. I'll, Take that, I'll cut that grumpy out, Trevor listeners out there. Um, so so yeah, but yeah, but a minute, but a minute. Cut it out. What? You're gonna cut that out? <laughs> Are you all right? Oh, my microphone just fell on me. <laughs> <laughs> my head. On my head. Are yes. you okay? I was bending down recording? to move the wire under the ironing board, oh. and the ironing, the, yes, I was attacked by <laughs> microphones. James, you're making it sound so rock and roll. Oh man. <laughs> oh man, you wouldn't believe the ironing board, man. The ironing. L- listen, I I have got the most. Um, <laughs> A temporary hilarious setup. I'd have to send you a photograph because you won't stop laughing. It yes, makes it makes your toilet look advanced. <laughs> <laughs> My toilet was a Buck Rogers toilet. I'll have to know. <laughs> okay. Was it, it, was a, it was, Yeah, but when I sat on it, well, I, I used to sit on it for so long that I actually became one with the toilet. Symbiotic. I. Oh. Skin fused. Oh, this is your partner, isn't it, Lou? I can understand why. (laughs) (laughs) I can understand the nature of your relationship now. (laughs) Trev, you think this is banter, but Leeson's sitting there rubbing his hands, thinking outtakes. I I absolutely refuse. Listen, I refuse to be the go between as to what goes in this edit and what goes out. (laughs) This isn't what I've paid to listen to. I've listened to, to listen to an angry Australian. This is outrageous.
I don't listen to the Doctor Who podcast to agree with people. I listen to shake my head in annoyance. Trevor has left the building.